You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. We continue our journey in examining the life and the biography of Prophet Muhammad and the many interesting events that happened during his blessed lifetime. Previously, we have examined in depth the Battle of Khaybar and the events that happened after the Battle of Khaybar. One of the interesting events that happened after the Battle of Khaybar, when the Prophet left Khaybar and he was on his way back to Medina, is a grand miracle that happened at the dua of Rasulullah. Various reports have stated that after Khaybar, in a land called As Sahba, an important miracle occurred. This miracle is that the sun went back up in the sky after it had set or after it almost set. And this is indeed a very grand miracle. This miracle has been documented in Shia books and also in Sunni books. Let me share with you one version of this miracle in our Shia books. For instance, in the book, of Ilal al-Shara'i' by al-Saduq rahmatullahi alayhi, he mentions this hadith. I will read to you the text of the hadith. An Ummi Ja'far wa Ummi Muhammad binti Muhammad ibn Ja'far. The two daughters of Muhammad ibn Ja'far narrate this. Now, Muhammad ibn Ja'far is the son of Ja'far al-Tayyar. So these are the two granddaughters of Ja'far al-Tayyar narrating this. An Asma' bint Umais. So these two granddaughters of Ja'far al-Tayyar, they narrate this from their grandmother Asma' bint Umais. Because she is their grandmother. Asma' was the wife of Ja'far al-Tayyar. And these two are the granddaughters of Ja'far and Asma'. قَالَتْ خَرَجْتُ مَعَ جَدَّتِي أَسْمَاءَ بِنْتِ عُمَيْسِ These two granddaughters, they say, once we were traveling with our grandmother Asma' bint Umais, وَعَمِّي عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بِنْ جَعْفَرِ And their uncle, Abdullah ibn Ja'far, he's their uncle, because they're the grandchildren of Ja'far al-Tayyar. Abdullah ibn Ja'far is the husband of Lady Zainab alayhi salam So we were traveling, حَتَّى إِذَا كُنَّا بِالصَّحْبَى Until we reached an area called Sahba. قَالَتْ حَدَّثَتْنِي أَسْمَاءَ بِنْتُ عُمَيْسِ قَالَتْ When we reached this place, Asma' told us an interesting story that happened here. She said, يَا بُنَيَّ My dear granddaughter, or my dear daughter, كُنَّا مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ فِي هَذَا الْمَكَانِ We were with the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وآله in this place. فَصَلَّى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ الظُّهْرَ the Prophet prayed Salatul Dhuhr in this place, As-Sahba. ثُمَّ دَعَى عَلِيًّا عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ فَاسْتَعَانَ بِهِ فِي بَعْضِ حَاجَاتِهِ 
Then he called on Imam Ali after Salatul Dhuhr. He told him, oh Ali, I have a few errands that need to be taken care of. Please go and do them. The Prophet had certain needs. Imam Ali went to fulfill them. Then the time of Salatul Asr came. The Prophet prayed Salatul Asr. Imam Ali السلام, came back after the Prophet had finished Salatul Asr. He was sitting next to the Prophet. The Prophet started to receive revelation. And then the Prophet The Prophet placed his blessed head in the lap of Imam Ali السلام, as he was receiving revelation. Until the sunset. When the Prophet woke up, basically the Prophet when he would receive revelation, sometimes he would be seen as if, as if though he was sleeping. So after the Prophet woke up, after he finished receiving revelation, he asked Imam Ali, did you pray Salat al-As? He said, no, Ya la Ya Rasulullah. I didn't pray Salat al-As, I didn't want to disturb you. Your head is in my lap. I don't want to disturb you. You're receiving revelation. I, I, I couldn't possibly move your head and put it on the ground. So Imam Ali السلام, according to this version, he misses Salat al-As, the sun sets. What does the Prophet do? The Prophet says, Allahumma inna hadha abduka Ali. Oh Allah, this is your servant Ali, your slave Ali. The reason why he had to sit still is because of your messenger. He was in the obedience of your Prophet. Oh Allah, I ask you to bring the sun back up in the sky. Asma says, الشمس. We saw the sun rising again and we could see it. The sun started to shine on the mountains, on the earth, on everything. So when that happened, she says, Asma, Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib السلام, he prayed, and then the sun set again, or it just disappeared. So this is a version that has been mentioned in Shia sources like Alal al-Shara'i' by Shaykh al-Saduq. We also have other Shia sources that have documented this event. Many, many other sources. And indeed, this is one of the miracles of the Prophet because he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to raise the sun again. And when we say raise the sun, we're saying it, of course, metaphorically. It's uh, the earth that spins, of course, not the sun that spins around the earth. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the sun to come back up in the sky after it was set. This is one of the ma'ajas of Rasulullah. If you're ever wondering about the miracles of the Prophet, such as splitting the moon, this is another one. And it's also a miracle for Imam Ali, in the sense that the Prophet performed the miracle for the sake of Ali ibn Abi Talib. So he would pray within the time. Is this miracle also found in Sunni sources? Yes. Let's examine some of these hadiths in Sunni sources. Now you will not find these narrations in Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim and these Sahas. Our analysis is that they've omitted it because they do not want to acknowledge this virtue for Ali ibn Abi Talib But there are tens of sources for it. Let's mention some examples here. One example is the book 
of Al-Bidayah wa Nihayah by Ibn Kathir or Ibn Kuthayr. He narrates this hadith from Asma' bint Umayyis that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa prayed Salatul Dhuhr in an area called Sahba' min ardi Khaybar. This hadith states this is around Khaybar. And then he sent Imam Ali to, to get something done. And then basically Imam Ali came back. The Prophet had already prayed Asur. The Prophet put his head in the lap of Imam Ali. And Imam Ali did not move the head of the Prophet until the sunset. Then the Prophet said, Allahumma inna abdaka Ali ahtabasa nafsah. Oh Allah, your slave Ali has basically kept himself here for the Prophet. So, rudda alayhi sharqaha. I ask you to make the sun shine again. And then Asma says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the sun shine again. Imam Ali prayed in time before the sun set again. So, Ibn Kathir acknowledges that there is such a narration. Of course, Ibn Kathir tries to weaken this hadith. He tries to come up excuses for why this hadith is a weak hadith, but he does acknowledge that numerous narrators have narrated it. For instance, Sir al-Halabiya has narrated it. So there are many versions of, of exactly what happened, but this is the common version, that the Prophet was receiving revelation, that's why he put his head in the lap of Amir al-Mu'mineen, and Imam Ali did not want to disturb the Prophet Let's now offer some important observations about this hadith and about this very important miracle. Number one, is this a sahih hadith? Is it a valid hadith? Is it an authentic, reliable report? Did it actually happen? Because there are some who doubt that this happened. You might even find one or two or three Shia scholars who have doubted it, even though the vast majority have accepted it. This hadith of Radd al-Shams, it's called Radd al-Shams, the sun returning has been narrated by 13 companions, as we know, 12 of them in Sunni sources. Some of these companions who have narrated this hadith include Imam Ali salam, Imam Hussein salam, Asma' bint Umais, Abu Huraira, Abu Dhar, Umhani, Um Salama, Jabir ibn Abdullah al-Ansari, Salman al-Muhammadi al-Farisi, Anas ibn Malik, Abu Sa'id al-Khudari and others. So we have these companions who have narrated this hadith. That is why some scholars have considered this hadith to be mutawatir, meaning it's so widely reported by various companions and narrators such that we have confidence it happened and that they were not just making it up. It's not a fabrication, it's not a conspiracy. Now, have some Sunni scholars said and confirmed that this hadith is sahih? Absolutely. For instance, you have the Sunni scholar Al-Tahawi, you have Abu Zara'a, you have Al-Tabarani, you have Dahlan, you have others who have said that this is an authentic report, it did actually happen. For instance, you also have Ad-Diyar Bakri, who's a prominent Sunni scholar, he says, وَهَذَا حَدِيثٌ ثَابِتُ الرِّوَايَةِ عَنْثُقَاتِ This is a hadith that has been narrated by reliable narrators. So he accepts this hadith. In fact, my dear brothers and sisters, do you know that nearly 10 Sunni scholars have written books or booklets or chapters on the hadith of Radd al-Shams? That's how important they considered it. They actually have written books on this. For instance, I'll share with you an example. You have Abu al-Qasim al-Hakim ibn al-Hadda al-Naysaburi al-Hasakani al-Hanafi. 
He died in the year 483 of the Hijrah. He has a book called Mas'alatun Fi Tashihi Radd al-Shams. Here's a book to authenticate the hadith of Radd al-Shams. Ibn Kathir in Al-Bidayah wa Nahaya, he narrates some part of this book. Al-Dhahabi in his book At-Tathkirah also narrates some parts of this booklet. And you know what Dhahabi says? And Dhahabi is a top Sunni scholar. And he's very, um, he's an expert in, in evaluating hadiths. You know what Dhahabi says? تَكَلَّمَ فِيهِ كَلَامًا مَتِينًا كَلَامَ عَرِفٍ بِهَذَا الفن. He says, that the author of this book about Radd al-Shams, he spoke very well in this book. His arguments are very well crafted. He knows what he's saying. He's an expert, meaning the Hadith al-Sahih. You'll also find the Shaykh of Bukhari, like the teacher of Bukhari. His name was Ahmad ibn Salih al-Tabari al-Misri. He says, after mentioning two Sahih um, Hadiths for Radd al-Shams, he says, لا ينبغي لمن كان سبيله العلم التخلف عن حفظ حديث أسماء الذي روي لنا عنه صلى الله عليه وآله. He says, if you're truly a scholar, a man of knowledge, you should not fall short in memorizing this hadith narrated by Asma bint Umais. Why? لأنه من أجل علامات النبوة. He says, it's one of the best signs of prophethood. That the Prophet is a Prophet. Because it's a miracle for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And indeed, it is one of the miracles of the Prophet. Now, there are some who have rejected it. Yes, you can guess Ibn Taymiyyah is one of them. Um, Ibn al-Jawzi is also one of them. The extremist Sunni scholars who have so much hatred for you know the Shia and even for the Ahlul Bayt, unfortunately. They've denied it. Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, who's a, a very prominent scholar, you know, uh, he has that very famous commentary on Sahih al-Bukhari called Fath al-Bari. You know what he says in Fath al-Bari? He says, Al-Tahawi, Al-Tabarani, Al-Hakim, Al-Bayhaqi, they've all narrated this hadith of Radd al-Shams from Asma' bint Umais, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, commanded the sun to shine again. And then, and then, he himself, Ibn Hajar says, This is a very clear miracle by the Prophet And then, he criticizes Ibn al-Jawzi and Ibn Taymiyyah for rejecting the hadith. He says, He has a book called the Mawdu'at, the Fabricated Hadiths. Ibn Jawzi, the extremist Sunni scholar. He says, Ibn al-Jawzi made a mistake by including the hadith of Radd al-Shams in the list of fabricated hadiths. He made a mistake. It's not a fabricated hadith. وَهَكَذَا إِبْنُ تَيْمِيَةِ He says even Ibn Taymiyyah made a mistake. فِي كِتَابِ الرَّدِّ عَلَى الرَّوَافِضِ He has a book in which he tries to, you know, um, basically refute the, the uh, beliefs of the rawafid, meaning the Shia. So he, he considers this hadith to be fabricated, Ibn Taymiyyah in this book. This prominent Sunni scholar, Ibn Hajar, he says, no, Ibn Taymiyyah made a mistake. This is a Sahih hadith. So my dear brothers and sisters, there are many Sunni scholars who've accepted that this actually happened and that this is an authentic report. So this is the first observation. Many scholars believe it's a mutawatir report. You don't need to spend time investigating every individual chain.
It's so widely reported, it's mentioned in Shia books, it's mentioned in Sunni books, that we can trust that this actually happened. That is the first observation here. The second observation is there is an objection that says this is logically impossible. Because the whole solar system would collapse if Allah wants to basically tamper with the system. You know, making the sun shine again means you have to change the orbit of the earth, you have to change the solar system, you have to maybe even change the position of the sun. We don't know. And that's not possible. Logically, scientifically, that's not possible. Because if Allah really did that, the whole universe would have been disturbed. The system of the universe would have been disrupted. And so we cannot accept it because the universe would have collapsed, but it didn't. Yeah, some have made this objection. How, how, do you, how do you respond to that? What would you say? If someone makes this objection that we cannot accept this miracle because it means the whole universe will be, would be disrupted, what, what's your response to that? Do you have any, any response that you'd like to share? Okay, Allah is the source of infinite power. So one answer is, Allah is the one who created the universe. Allah is the one who created the solar system. So Allah has infinite power. What's the problem? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to make the sun shine again, either by having the earth spin backwards without people feeling it. The Quran tells us if Allah wants something, kun fayakun, be and it is. There's nothing impossible about that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could you know make the earth spin the other way for 10 minutes, let the sun appear in the horizon, Imam Ali prays, and then the sun sets without anything being disrupted. Because Allah is the one who created the earth and the movement of the earth. He can miraculously, in a gentle way, without disrupting anything, do that. What's the problem? So that's one response. Any other responses you'd like to share? Another example that we can give here in, in responding to this objection is the miracle of splitting the moon. The miracle of splitting the moon, having the moon split, that will disrupt the moon and its orbit and how the moon affects the earth and the solar system. I mean, the same can be said, right? But we accept that miracle. Allah, if He wants to perform a miracle, Allah can perform a miracle. There's nothing impossible about it. Sometimes some things are logically impossible. This is not one of them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can smoothly execute a miracle like that without anything being disrupted. So honestly, we don't really find this a valid objection. So this is the second observation here. The third observation, this is a pretty strong objection. It's a pretty interesting one. The third observation is, if this would have happened actually, then why don't we have records of it from other nations? I mean, this is something that should have been documented in history. It's a big deal. People in Europe, people in China, people in Africa, all the civilizations on earth at the time, you know, the Byzantine Empire, whatever, they should have documented it. That, hey, the sun set and then it rose back up again in the sky. This is a big deal. You know, other people should have documented it, but we don't really find any record of it. When you look at books of history, books of records, we don't find anyone 
um, in other nations confirming that this happened. How do we answer to this objection? How would you respond? Any ideas? You, you can just unmute yourself and, and speak freely if, you, if anything comes to your mind. I mean, it's a pretty strong argument. If this really happened, other nations should have witnessed it, but we don't have any records of that. And it's a big deal, so people should have recorded something like that. I mean, how often does it happen that the sun sets and then it rises again, right? So how would you respond to this objection? Alaykum as wa rahmatullah. So one possibility is that it did actually get documented, but it got lost in history. Now the other side can, go, come, can come back and say, look, this is a global event. So you should have so many people documenting it. Maybe one or two records can get lost, but all of them, that's kind of you know unusual and not really possible. So maybe the person who rejects this miracle could argue that way, right? So any other ideas on how to respond to this objection? Okay, let's offer some uh, possibilities here. So in answering and, and responding to this objection, we say, first of all, let's look at the Muslims first, and then let's look at other nations. As for Muslims, there were many reasons to try to hide this miracle. It's found in our books, but someone could say, well, such a miracle, every single book should have narrated it. Bukhari, Muslim, all these books should have narrated, all the history books. How come we don't find it in all books? Well, there were reasons to try to hide it. Remember that the Umayyads cursed Imam Ali for 80 years on the minbar, for 1,000 months. And this miracle has to do with Imam Ali. Because the Prophet is the one who uh, asked Allah, yes, so the miracle is for him, but in honor of Imam Ali. You think the Umayyads would want this hadith to circulate? Of course they tried to bury this hadith. Of course they tried to claim it's fabricated. Of course they'd pay narrators not to spread this hadith. It's a given. So obviously they'd conceal it and reject it. That's why it's not as widely reported amongst Muslims as it should be. Because this hadith is connected to the virtues of Imam Ali. And the Umayyads and the enemies of Imam Ali would not want such a hadith to you know, be reported around the world. That's as for Muslims. Even though, alhamdulillah, it's found in our books. And I mentioned to you some of those sources. The second point that we'd like to make here is this miracle, as we shall see soon, happened with previous prophets, such as Prophet Yusha ibn Nun, or the successor Yusha ibn Nun, Joshua. Yeah, we don't see history documenting it, right? There's nothing in our history that says the sun was held in the sky or the sun rose back up in the sky after it set during the time of Joshua, right? So as the brother said, sometimes things get lost in history. That's the second point. The third point, Here's an interesting response to this objection. It's possible that people didn't notice it. Why? See, the sun was basically setting, and then Allah made it go up like five to 10 minutes, 
just for Imam Ali to pray. How long does it take for you to pray? Right, especially if the Imam was traveling, he probably was praying Qasr, two rak'ahs. I mean, it takes two minutes to pray two rak'ahs. So the sun set, Allah made it go up five minutes, the Imam prayed and then it set again. That doesn't take much time. If you're not looking directly at sunset in that area, you wouldn't notice it. So how many people around the world were actually looking at the horizon in that region where sunset was occurring to notice it and document it? See, if you're not in that region, let's say you're in China and some other place, if those other areas, if it was night for them, obviously they wouldn't notice it, right? At, at night, you're not gonna notice if the sun went back for five minutes. You're not gonna notice that. And if it was during the day, Honestly, a five minute shift, a 10 minute shift in the sun's position is not noticeable. If it's 12 p.m. right now, and something happens to the earth and it spins the other way where the position of the sun goes back like five minutes, you're not gonna notice it. You're not, unless you're using some scientific instrument, you're not gonna notice it, right? And in that area where sunset was occurring, it's noticeable, but how many people were in that area looking at the horizon? Not many, right? So maybe that's why other nations didn't record it. Because it wasn't really noticeable for most people on earth. That's why other civilizations didn't record it. If you were in China to the east, it was at night already. So you're not going to notice anything at night. If you're in Europe, it's day. And the five minute shift, a 10 minute shift is not noticeable. So this is one response that came to my mind. What, what do you say about that? I want some counter arguments if you have any counter arguments. How would you respond to this argument? I've not seen, um, you know, really scholars mentioning it, mentioning this, but it's something that came to my mind. Let's say in Michigan, the sun sets and then five minutes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returns the revolution of the earth and you could see the sun again. So those who are looking at the actual sunset, right? They have a clear view, let's say you're on some lake or whatever, you can see it and noticeable. But people in New York, they're not gonna notice it, it's at night. People in California are not gonna notice it because a five minute shift in the sun, when it's daytime, it's not noticeable. So what, what do you say about my response to this objection? Do you find it a valid objection, a response or not really? Any thoughts? Alaykum assalam. Yes, I think it's a valid argument. Actually, I also thought about it. Okay, so you also thought about this argument. I do find it a, a valid argument. So, you know, the reason why maybe it's not that documented is because in other areas it wasn't really noticeable. So that's... And, and you know, yes. Yeah, and uh, when we say it, it went back, we uh, don't mean that it completely go high. Maybe it stood somewhere on the horizon. Yes, by the way, when we say that the sun went back up, we're not saying it went back up like midday. It just went up a little, just for the Imam salam to pray, and then it set, yes. That's what we mean by Allah returned the sun. Not that it returned fully in the sky, but it returned such that Asma says we could see the disk of the sun and then it went back up. Like I said, it could be a 10 minute shift. You know, when the sun sets, 
If you go back in time 10 minutes, you raise it again, you could clearly see the disk of the sun. So that's what we mean by that. Yes, that's a good observation. So these are three observations. The fourth observation, it's possible that Allah only showed those who were with the Prophet this miracle, not others. Allah wanted to show the Prophet is a Prophet and that Imam Ali uh, has this virtue. So it doesn't necessarily mean everyone on earth has to witness it. Maybe Allah miraculously just had Asma and the companions who were with the Prophet see it. Just to prove that Imam Ali is truly a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fifth observation, did this happen before in history? Has it ever happened that Allah made the sun go back up for any prophet or any figure? Yes, it did happen with previous prophets. For instance, among the miracles of Joshua, Joshua is Yusha ibn Nun, the first successor of Prophet Musa salam, after Musa, Prophet Harun died during the time of Prophet Musa. So the successor after Prophet Musa salam, was Joshua, Yusha ibn Nun. So among the miracles of Joshua is that Allah had the sun rise for him again, or Allah held the sun for him. He was fighting the people of Ariha, which is Jericho in English. It's a Palestinian city in the West Bank. Some versions state that when he was fighting the enemies, the sun set or was about to set. So he asked Allah to hold it or make it come back up again because he could not achieve victory at night. Allah answered his prayer and he conquered Jericho. Sunnis have accepted these reports. For instance, Bukhari narrates from Abu Huraira. He says, Qala Rasulullah, the Prophet stated, Ghaza Nabiyun min al-Anbiya. One of the Prophets fought. Faghaza, fadana min al-Qariya. So he was fighting, he came to the village, and it was the time of Salat al-Asr. And so he commanded the sun to stay in the sky, and it stayed in the sky. فَحُبِسَتْ حَتَّى فَتَحَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala held the sun in the sky until he gave him victory and he conquered that village. This is in Bukhari. This is in Bukhari. So those who object, how is this possible? This is impossible. Bukhari says this, is, this happened with one of the prophets of Allah. Now how do we know that this prophet is Joshua? Is Yusha ibn Nun? Because Ahmad ibn Hanbal has narrated uh, a hadith from Abu Huraira in which he says from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi إِنَّ الشَّمْسَ لَمْ تُحْبَسْ عَلَىٰ بَشَرْ إِلَّا لِيُوشَعْ لَيَالِي سَارَ إِلَىٰ بَيْتِ الْمَقْدِسِ Abu Huraira in Ahmad ibn Hanbal states that the sun was only held for Yusha' and that's how we know the Prophet mentioned in Bukhari is Yusha' in any case, whoever it was Bukhari tells us this happened in history it wasn't the first time happening for Imam Ali Now, do, do Jews acknowledge that this happened for Joshua? Yes. This is also found today in the Bible, in the book of Joshua chapter 10. I'll read for you the text of the Old Testament. Joshua asked the Lord to cause the sun and moon to stand still so that he could finish the battle in daylight. According to the text, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. This event is most notable because there has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. 
So this is in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that Joshua asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to hold the sun in the sky so the day would be longer and for him to achieve victory and Allah answered his prayer. So this actually has happened in previous nations. The sixth observation, some Sunnis will use the, the hadith of Bukhari to say, Bukhari says this only happened for Joshua, which means it didn't happen for Imam Ali. Because what is the text um, of the hadith? Now in Bukhari, Abu Huraira doesn't say this only happened for Joshua. He just says it happened for a prophet, Nabi min al-Anbiya. But the version of Ahmed ibn Hanbal, states ma hubisat shamsu ala basharin qat the sun was not held in the sky for any human being illa ala yusha ibn nun except for yusha the son of nun allah subhanahu wa ta'ala held the sun for him so he can go to jerusalem so some sunnis will say see ahmad ibn hanbal says that it only happened for joshua so it means it didn't happen for imam ali so all these hadiths that claim this happened with imam ali are fabricated our response to that is, this is a fabricated hadith by Abu Huraira. Why should we trust Abu Huraira? Because as we have seen, there are countless of hadiths that this actually happened with Imam Ali Secondly, Sunni sources acknowledge it happened with other prophets other than Joshua. For instance, At-Tahawi, At-Tabarani, narrate from Ibn Abbas. Ibn Abbas said to Imam Ali ما بلغك في قول الله تعالى حكاية عن سليمان ردوها عليه. In the story of Prophet Sulaiman, he says ردوها عليه. Bring it back to me. فقلت قال لي كعب كانت أربعة عشر فرسا. كعب الأحبار who would spread, you know, stories from the people of the book, you know, the Israeliات. كعب الأحبار he had made the claim. That what Prophet Sulaiman was referring to were 14 horses. He was looking at 14 horses. He was distracted. He skipped Salat al Asr until the sun set. So he said, Bring me back the horses. So he basically had them slaughtered with the sword. And because he killed those sources, Allah took away the kingdom of Sulaiman 14 days because he unjustly killed 14 horses without a reason. He got distracted by looking at them. He skipped his salah. He got angry and frustrated, so he killed the horses. Ka'b al-Ahbar would say this story. So Allah... 14 days took away his kingdom because he oppressed the horses. Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib according to these Sunni sources. Ka'b. Ka'b is a liar. That's not the true story. Prophets do not commit acts of injustice. What happened is Sulaiman wanted to fight his enemy. So he got busy organizing his army organizing the horses you know sometimes before an army goes to war you know they 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 basically want to see what they're capable of that's what he was busy with until the sunset so he said to the angels who have been authorized by allah 
to, to manage the son, to control the son. He told them, please send the son back for me so I can offer my prayer. And so they did. He prayed Salat al-Asr and then the sun set again. So the claim that it did not happen for Joshua is doubtful because there are sources it happened with uh, Sulaiman alayhi salam, the great prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is one way of responding to this objection. There is one other response here. The hadith of Ahmed ibn Hanbal states, ma shams, the sun was not held for anyone except Joshua. Whereas with Imam Ali and the miracle of the Prophet, the sun was not held in the sky. It set and then it came back up in the sky. So maybe we can accept the hadith even though it's from Abu Huraira, we're doubtful of it. But let's say we theoretically accept it, we're like fine. There's two scenarios here. One is Allah holding the sun, like freezing in the sky. That only happened with Joshua, as the hadith of Ahmed states. Another is the sun setting and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, commanding it to shine again. That's not what Ahmad ibn Hanbal's hadith states. So this happened for Imam Ali alayhi The final observation here before we conclude, how could Imam Ali skip salah? At the end of the day, all these sources, Sunni, Shia, they're saying Imam Ali skipped salah to How could a mu'min skip salah? How can you skip salah? Salah is salah, regardless, how can you skip it? How would you respond to this objection? Is it possible that Imam Ali السلام, skipped salah? We can mention two things here. Yeah, yes, sister, go ahead. Yes, I was just uh, thinking, I remember once you were saying that um, it was bad for him to pray in that area. So he said that everyone else should pray, but not him. That's another event that happened with Imam Ali. So Imam Ali السلام, in his lifetime, twice the sun was commanded by Allah to shine. One is this incident with the Prophet. The second one is the one that you're referring to. This was after one of his battles, the Imam was in the land of Iraq. He was going to Kufa. So at the time of Salah, he was in a cursed land due to a long story why it was cursed. The Imam said a prophet or the wasi of a prophet is not allowed to pray here. So I have to go to another place. By the time the Imam went to another place, the sun had almost set or it set and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the sun to shine again. That's actually the second time that happened with Imam Ali So yes, uh, in response, uh, in responding to that first, that second incident, we say he was not allowed to pray there. This was his command by Allah. So is Imam Ali going to disobey Allah? Um, but what about here where he's sitting and the head of the Prophet in his, is in his lap? I mean, <coughs> how are you excused to not pray? <coughs> Any ideas? Okay, so one response is the Prophet's command is greater than Salah, yes. Imam Ali was in the obedience of Allah because what he was doing was more important than Salah. He was carrying the Prophet's head when the Prophet was receiving wahi, revelation. And Imam Ali did not want to disturb the Prophet. That's very important. What's more important in your life then making sure the Prophet receives wahi from Allah and you don't disturb him. So he was in the obedience of Allah.
The point of prayer is for you to obey God. Well, if the Prophet tells you to do something, you do it. The Prophet put his head in the lap of Imam Ali, meaning, let me rest in your lap. Of course, you're not going to disobey the Prophet. So Imam Ali wasn't the obedience of Allah. He was not disobeying Allah. Not praying is a sin because you're disobeying Allah. Well, if your responsibility is to obey Allah by not disturbing the Prophet, then you are in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and the final point here, some sources indicate he did pray but ima, Meaning he prayed, but because he didn't want to disturb the Prophet, he didn't stand and do ruku' and sujood, he did ima. For instance, he lowered his head and he did his ruku', he lowered his head again to do sujood, just like the one who's incapable of standing, right? So he did pray, but Allah wanted to honor Imam Ali and allow him to pray a full prayer, make a full prayer, and for the companions to witness that. To show that Imam Ali is the servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to show the miracle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So the Imam committed no sin. He was in the obedience of Allah and some reports indicate he did actually pray, but Imam. Uh, and then Allah wanted the Imam to pray a full prayer. So this is our analysis of this event that happened after the battle of Khaybar. By the way, some of our hadiths indicate this happened around the city of Medina. There was a masjid historically in the suburbs of Medina that, that, that was called Masjid Radd al-Shams, the mosque, the masjid of Radd al-Shams, of the sun returning. The Saudi authorities destroyed this masjid, unfortunately. The Wahhabis had it destroyed, but it was a masjid and one hadith uh, attributed to Imam al-Sadiq He was in that masjid when he said to his companions, do you know where this place is? This is where the head of the Prophet was in the lap of Amir al-Mu'mineen, and this is where Allah made the sun rise again. So we've got you know, some different versions as to where exactly it happened, but it was after Khaybar according to these reports.